0: I want to teach people how to win in the, in the areas of life that matter most. They're F-words. So they're all F-words. They're all F-words. <laughs> yeah, they are. F-words yeah. are our
1: favorite.
2: Now yeah. you've got to like tell us what some of those F-words are.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I call it the Mandela map. Yeah. And med- the word medella means wellness in Latin. And so what I believe significance is or success is really figuring out in life what matters most to you. And then every single day, making sure that you're intentional about those things. So they're all F-words. And we started this, my wife and I, in 2018. It just started as, this is what we want to do for the new year. And uh, we want to focus on these things. So they're faith, finance, fitness, friendship, and um, family.
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Ethan DeLeon, and I'm here with our founder and CEO of Small Nation, Jason Duff. Joining us on today's episode, we have entrepreneurs Chesley Lunday and Jeremy Candelaria. We want to welcome you to the Small Nation podcast where we share some of the valuable lessons with what we have learned about entrepreneurship, real estate, economic development, and more. The point of this podcast is to create value for you, the listener, and to create a space to learn, talk about what's trending, and inspire
2: others. Thank you, Ethan. Chesley, welcome back to Bell Fountain. What is up? <laughs> it's I had a lot of fun you.
1: here the first time, now I'm back.
2: Well, you're back, yeah. and you're back with a guy that we were talking a lot about, yeah. and that's Jeremy. Um, these guys are friends, and is friends the appropriate label?
1: Um, yeah, anything more than that, and our wives might get a little uh, <laughs> suspicious. I love so. that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but yep.
2: you... <laughs> And they're going to be listening to this yes, show, by the yes, way. Yes, yes, they are. And it's I had a chance to meet your wife. She is super yeah. cool, by the way. Um, part of her background, she was also a, a, a you know self-employed, driven person. She's a barber. Yeah. At some point, right? Yeah, she was. That's. I just thought that was was really cool. And uh, you know, Chesley was introduced through a friend of mine, um, Jason Dorsey, which mm-hmm. we share a mutual friend with Jason. Jason... Uh, about 20 years ago was speaking in the college market and then moved to helping businesses and organizations understand young p- people, um, particularly understand the generations that exist in our workforces, in our schools and our organizations. And, um, you know, having a friend that's a speaker that also is doing research, you meet other really creative, interesting people that are changing, uh, thoughts, and minds, and looking at trends in certain industries. And that's how uh, Chesley and I created, because in the faith community, you've built a business around helping churches
1: innovate. Yeah, Tell us about that. Well, um, everybody went through COVID, and most churches in America had no digital footprint whatsoever. And so um, I... I had been playing around with it for a few years with, uh, teenagers and young adults and also in church replanting, which is actually in replanting. What that means is, uh, restarting churches. So for those of you that are not in the faith sector, we started and restarted churches. That's actually how I met Jeremy. So 2020 happens, COVID, we're now trying to figure out how to get a church off the ground that doesn't have digital giving, doesn't do streaming services. And um, again, I had a lot of experience with that in the Gen Z sector and um, really started thinking about, oh, this will work for a church, a church without a building, being more uh, nimble And less geographically centric so that you can be able to be fully engaged in the mission of Jesus wherever you're at and be connected no matter where you're at. And so um started doing that and then realized really quickly that uh, churches don't innovate very quickly. What, <laughs> what do you mean I'm sure very it's very open. Yeah. when you come in
2: with a new idea to make change, that's gotta be really easy. Oh yeah,
1: so easy. And <laughs> yeah. uh I'm very smart, so I think everybody's ready for change. Ah, and yeah, right. yeah, no, I uh that has been the thing that I've had to learn uh, um most is just because change is necessary it doesn't mean that everybody's ready for it Mm. and so
2: there's a the word tradition and i think to us like that is something that is solemn for a lot of our organizations it could be traditions that we have in our family and i i I know that for the, the churches that i have went to and belonged to over over my life like there is something special about knowing the flow of the way things work Mm -hmm. but to someone that is an outsider or new to that it can be scary it can be different and then sometimes some of those traditions you do kind of ask yourself the question are we still doing it are we doing it for for the right reasons like Mm -hmm. why are we doing this right Mm -hmm. how do you reconcile those two things
1: um, good question. I don't even think, I, I'm like it. Oprah. I Why are we not doing it this way? This um, way would be better. I think, you know, I'm uh, an avid reader. We we've had the same model for 1700 years in the church and it was built for a preliterate age, right? So we would, uh, there's this thing called Marchetti's constant. So no matter the technology that has allowed you to travel, People are normally going to travel within thirty minutes. Well, seventeen hundred years ago, that was on foot or on a horse, mm-hmm. and so they were donkey. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, or a donkey. Okay. You know, hey, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's nobody not, let's, judges. Okay, nah, okay. No, include care. all of yeah. them. Yeah, all the animals. Uh, but um, you know, somebody maybe sheep. Who knows? Ooh, I don't know. I like that. Uh, but. You know, I think what you see is they they went to a place to hear Scripture because they could not read Scripture. Mm. And then they hung out with each other all day. So church wasn't an hour on a Sunday. It was an all-day event on Sunday because they work the other six hours or six days out of the week. And so uh, the model hasn't changed in 1,700 years, but we have digital technology that has actually blown everything out of the water. And it wasn't wasn't just... information. Information was a big deal. Like when we had the free flow of information because of the internet, like it made me be able to listen to a preacher in Edmond, Oklahoma, even though I'm 2000 miles away. Easy. Right. But the church still had uh, the community aspect of connection. Well, you can't connect unless you're here. And then this little dude in my space named Tom and, uh, and nobody knows MySpace anymore. But uh, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg yeah. you know, creates social media, and now
0: the, the, the church doesn't have
1: a uh, a monopoly on relationship. Now, digital technology is literally undercut it. So now you take away the pulpit, and you take away people from the church, and what do you have left? Well, you have a organization that's mired in institutionalism and tradition that has built a theology around their method rather than their message. And so now they're right for, you know, they're right for disruption because of that. So um, and th- what I learned is I could have all the tools for uh, an organization, a church, a local church, to help them move into the 21st century, but if they don't have a clear and compelling why, They'll never move. And so that's how I met Jason Dorsey. It was because it's like we need to have research about how the next generation, um, you know, wants to practice and participate in faith formation. And so it was like I can we can do innovation, but we really actually have to help the hearts and minds of the people even be willing to change and take the journey because the journey's not easy. But if you know, like we can't stay here if we actually want to leave a legacy um, we actually have to move towards a new methodology that won't look anything like what you're used to, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of grief and loss to that because you can't say things are going to be the same. You're like you're 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 not it, the older you get. It's just it's everything's impermanent, and so, um, but you have to give them a compelling reason why, and so Love that's that. what we did. Yeah.
2: So you created a company that is helping faith-based organizations, churches, be able to do that transition? What, what are the ways, th- how, how do you help them?
1: Well, I think, you know, mostly it's the research and speaking on it and then really just helping wherever they need. What I find um, is really taking a readiness assessment is the most important thing. Okay. Where are you at today? Where do you say you want to go? And let's figure out the gaps in between that and really build a strategic plan. And then people need to be held along the way uh, accountable, if you will, yeah, or, mm-hmm. or just in, with encouragement. Yeah. You know, otherwise you fall off the wagon on because it is a long process. So the assessment's most important, but uh, for, for most churches, because you don't know where to start if you don't know where you're at. And then after that, um, research, like I said, is super helpful, which we do a lot of. And then... Um, what I like to do is I like to help some of the churches that are ready begin to think about what would church look like if you didn't have the constraints of a, of a building? What would that look like? How do we innovate there? And so I have a bunch of ideas about how that works, <laughs> but, uh, um, and I, and I've seen some really good, we've had some success with, uh, some organizations really moving towards digital communities, which I, we had a wonderful conversation at lunch yeah. about and, and, uh, and learning management systems. And it's all backed behind the data that we did with Jason. So, yeah,
2: I I love that. And um, I think that what's happening in higher education, what's happening in healthcare, what's happening in faith-based churches and organizations, those really large structures, it is not easy to make and and move them quickly, like a lot of it. But but what has been amazing, and, and you are demonstrating this, is through technology, through innovation, through... Um, helping show examples of uh, churches that are making those Mm -hmm. great successes, then other folks can have a little bit more confidence to making those decisions and those steps. So,
1: yeah, I think, so digital is a tool. It's not the end all be all. Um, There's a big gap and an opportunity, I think for churches to begin to think like you and what you guys have done here at small nation, rather than thinking through how do we build our organization and our, and, and everybody needs an economic base. However, if you can really say, how do we actually help the city uh, flourish? there There's real opportunity there that you would, that I think a lot of churches need to really start thinking about because they can have more local impact today than they've ever had.
2: We hosted Pastor Brian Meadows on a previous podcast, and he is... Uh, part of Cornerstone Church here locally. And previously, it had a very long tradition, in United Methodist Church. And they've been going through some innovation and changes. But in particular, our, our local pastor serves on the Chamber of Commerce board. And he kind of spoke about his role of being a part of that, that board and organization and seeing that the positive changes with economic development, how that relates to improving community. And even in our downtown this year, we had a local church, Bell Fountain Grace, uh, really support and sponsor and bring their congregation out for our Christmas event in the downtown. And, you know, seeing those volunteers, those people plug in, um, that's community.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it breeds community. So, I mean, as as terrible as 2020 was, I think that is in the church world, at least one positive that came out is it at least got churches thinking about next steps and technology and make it less intimidating and just like here's some, some places to start. So I love to, you know, that you're doing that, but um, you guys are both not originally from Ohio. So, I mean, uh, Jeremy, we haven't heard from you much. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, where you were originally from and uh, where you're at today?
0: Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's been great. Like the whole team, Everybody has been wonderful to us, very kind, very helpful, very knowledgeable. I feel like I know just about everything that I could learn uh, from Nick. So (laughs) he did great. There was only two questions I asked that uh, he didn't have the answer to and said, you would. I don't even remember what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Save those. I like those questions. Um, So for for me, I was born in Palm Springs, California. Mm -hmm. And when I was four, my mom hitchhiked uh, us back to Ohio where she's from and so I've, I've grown up like a fun fact about me is my last name for 36 years was Schweier mm. and that uh, that changed I planted a church here it it did well we decided that we were going to go do it again in California so I went back and my wife and my kids and uh, our two dogs loaded up everything in a Penske truck and went 2200 miles away to Palm Springs and I really didn't know anyone there, um, but we planted again, and then we had to come. We had to come back, but uh, just because my, my that's that's that was. I'm all over the place here, but the Oedipus of, of my company that I started came out of that. It was a place of pain because my daughter, really struggled out there, and and so I had to make a decision whether I was going to do ministry or I was going to take care of my family. And I wrote down on my trusty little book, uh, I'm going to start a business, make a lot of money and take care of my family mm. and then mm. came back. And so the, the Schweier thing, though, when I was out there, my dad and I kind of rekindled our relationship and I realized that I needed to have his last name. Mm. So um, because every every son should, I think. And so my wife and I and our four kids all changed our last name. And now everybody thinks I'm Italian. But before that, they thought I was just a dark, like a like a, a tan hillbilly. It's really <laughs> wild how, how that transition is. Um. So, yeah, Jeremy Candelaria. And, you you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to let you say that. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you
2: it's kind of got you, a mafia ring to it. Kind of does. And, yeah, and it's I Spanish. Like it. But,
0: yeah. The but.
1: Spanish mafia. And hillbillies don't tan. They just get their their necks get red yeah well yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah. we know about that here yeah. in ohio. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're probably going to be
2: canceled
1: you know that that's, that's right. all right <laughs> oh, and, and that, yeah, but in 2023 you can't only cancel for see, five minutes no, it's I,
2: great
0: <laughs> we call that a vacation uh, so, yeah, that's exactly
3: uh,
2: what we that are is. in so much trouble you guys
0: okay <laughs>
3: yeah so you, you're here in ohio what what is your business now what are you what are you doing
0: so, I am pastoring again. I uh, got suckered back into that, and <laughs> funny uh, how that works so yeah, yeah. Bring it back they uh so that's a full time thing and then but when I got back uh, immediately, what we did was we moved into my in-law's house and so my four kids and my wife uh were upstairs, and then they would rotate on where who got to sleep on the futon floor futon you know just like that and And so started the company from scratch, and that is a concrete company, uh, because as I talk about in the book, basically when I was 15 years old, the very first time I ever met my wife's dad, she said, do you want to meet my daddy? And I'm like, sure. And he came barreling up the driveway from home from work. And and uh, we went out there. And the very first thing he said to me was, can you work, boy? And I, wow. I, I never had a job and he was a big man. You ever seen Shrek? Mm-hmm. He has these Shrek sausage fingers. <laughs> and at the time I was a hundred pounds and I, and I said, yes, sir. Cause I really liked her. And so he's the one that taught me the trade. Wow. And so it was brick, block, stone, concrete. And so when I came back and so I would work, so when I was young, I would work in the summertime and then went off to uh, the military. But then when I came back, I worked mm-hmm. again with him college would come back and work. And uh, long story short, when when I came back, we started this company out of nothing. We lived upstairs in his house, very small place, didn't have anything. I had done ministry for 22 years. And that's how I met Chesley because back in the day when I was awesome at doing this stuff. Um, <laughs> he's he, still
1: awesome at doing this stuff. Don't know No, <laughs>
0: he's far surpassed me, but he actually became a coaching client of mine. Yeah. And that's how we formulated a relationship. And so you know with this with this concrete company the first year I was in it and working and we did 400,000 the second year 700,000 and for me somebody who's been in ministry and and poor you know it's that was a massive amount of money that's 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 a great change yeah. and so able to buy a house in the, the allotment that my wife always wanted to live in and get her suburban. And the kids went to the schools they want. We kind of put the equilibrium back into the family by moving back here. and um, but But at the same time, I really just started to fall apart because I wasn't pastoring, didn't have an identity, making so much more money. The company, the third year did 1.2, fourth year 1.7, and just it kept growing. And yet at the same time, I'm feeling this massive amount of emptiness and thinking that somehow I would attain it through monetary gain or living in the right area or it just didn't, it just it just got real bad. And so I just felt like my whole entire family have everything that they want but who am i and what am i doing you know and i just gave it all up and and so that's been a journey and that's really where he and i are different you know we both motivate but my, my motivation really comes, it's almost like a Tony Robbins kind of thing where I really want to, I want to teach people how to win in the in the areas of life that matter most. They're F-words. So they're all F-words. They're all F-words. <laughs> yeah, they are. F-words yeah. are our
2: favorite. Now yeah. you've got to like tell us what some of those F-words are.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I call it the Mandela map yeah. and med, the word medella means wellness in Latin. And so what I believe significance is, or success, is really figuring out in life what matters most to you, and then every single day, making sure that you're intentional about those things. So they're all F-words, and we started this, my wife and I, in 2018. It just started as, this is what we want to do for the new year, and uh, we want to focus on these things. So they're faith, finance, fitness, friendship, and um, family. And so, yeah, he knows them better than I know them. But uh, (laughs) so faith, fitness, finance, friendships, and family. And so like, you know, in here, you'll see if I open it up, like every day I'm writing those down and I'm writing down something I'm going to do intentionally to support or undergird that. that. So, for example, you know, working out today, that's the fitness box. Nice. So I already did that. So the faith Today for me it's I'm gonna have a conversation with God. It doesn't have to be anything, but I'm gonna be intentional about right. it right yeah and then for family, I'm gonna text my kids today, each of them and just tell them how much I love them and something that I appreciate about them. Friendship I'm checking that box because I'm here with you amazing people and one of my best friends mm-hmm. and then the finance I'm still I'm still working. Uh, my company, even though I'm not there, I'm, I'm project managing basically. So phone calls and coordinating and just checking up with my foremans and things like that. So I'm hitting all the boxes. And the reason why that's important is because if these things are things that I say that matter to me, then I need to be intentional. And the days that I feel the most empowered or aligned in my life is when I, when I can check those boxes and it's not easy and it doesn't happen every single day, but that's where I find, that's what allowed me to climb out of that success hole that we talk about, Yeah, you know, it just isn't about money, you know, it just isn't about, it's about the things that really drive me as a human being. And then I want my life to reflect that and everything that I do. Yeah. So that's, that's really where I'm at and trying to figure it out, you know, learning from people like you, uh, the next step for me is real estate. I really have a passion, a deep passion for that and to learn about it you know, I've, I've read books about it. And the number, the number one thing that I think just prevents people from doing it, it this is what the book says that you're, you're, a, you're almost like a, you're a wannabe investor or, you know, you just don't pull the trigger. And I
2: have the action step. Yeah. yeah. It's that yeah. just
0: doing it, that first property and somebody who didn't grow up with money or stuff. We never had a home. I always lived in apartments or hotels, um, you're not good ones either. I hear you guys have a super eight. That's like kind of like home uh, to <laughs> me. Uh, we do. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'd never had anything. So to own something or multiple somethings is a dream. Really, you know, one of the like the the corner, a corner building where you have nice, you know, restaurant underneath coffee shop and then apartments up top like that's a dream. Mm-hmm. I never would have pictured it would be in a place like Barberton or Balfountain or, right. but I always want, I'm thinking San Diego or somewhere down in Tampa or Boston. something.
2: Well, and you know. you've lived in a lot of places outside of Ohio and a lot of yeah. bigger cities too. And I think, um, you know, just hearing your story, it's, it's, it, it is inspiring to me. And I think that's, what's unique when you meet people that are different from you, but also sharing the same value of wanting to see their town or community better, wanting to see their family thrive. Yeah. And and oftentimes, money is is a limiting belief. Um, no matter... I, I talk to folks that have had situations that have lots of money in their life, and there can be issues and head trash and junk with that, and then folks that have never had money. And so I appreciate you being vulnerable and kind of sharing, like, this is, this is where I started. But also you know, having some confidence to say, I took a concrete company from nothing, sleeping, you know, in, in, on the floor and and rotating with my, my family and my, my kids, but like to do $400,000, $700,000. And then having, tell us like for you, what does that million dollar number mean? Like what you, you put it in the title of your book. And for those who are listening, um, Jeremy's book is called blue collar millionaire. So what, why is a million dollars important? Why is that number significant?
0: Well, for me, I, I don't think the number to me matters. What I think matters is the ability to help people, truly. With money, the thing that I enjoy most about it is giving it away, mm. truly. Being able to help someone. And, and even if it's something as silly as, you know, there's a... Chesley and I were, were eating at a restaurant, and um, there was a back kitchen person that was just running food and and so i just felt compelled to to give her a little bit of money and she just she wanted to hug me she was just um she almost was crying she was very overcome with emotion yeah Yeah. and and it's just it it's it doesn't so to to be able to give it away to to help people in need that to me is is the reason why a million dollars is means something like it's if you just hoard it, like if you had everything you ever wanted on an island by yourself, I'm an introvert, but that still sounds pretty miserable.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: You know, so what's the point? The point is, is money to me doesn't matter beyond the ability to actually go out to dinner and not have to look at how much we paid for it. After that, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. Who can we help? What can we do with it? And, And so for me, it's not, I'm not driven by the money. Actually, what real estate, I think, does for me is it challenges me. It's the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see if, if we can actually acquire something, make it better, make it have a profit. And, and that, I mean, I'm not saying money doesn't matter because it does, but that I think the chase of the game motivates me more than the money does at the end of the day.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a super important piece. And, uh, you know, as we're thinking about how we can help other entrepreneurs, it's good to hear that feedback and just, uh identifying why you want to do what you want to do cuz i think just the just the pursuit of money just for the pursuit of money like i don't know you, <laughs> you can try you can see where it takes you it really is um, it, it
2: is a tool and a resource and i think the things and and part of where you guys are in town today is chesley and i met and had a chance to meet his his wife you came up in conversation and the work that you're doing in the akron area what is, is interesting about the Bell Fountains, the Barbertons is that, you know, 25, 30, 50 years ago, Ohio was a center for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. We built yeah. things here. You know, it was a place where, um, you know, after the war, the sixties, seventies, you had companies like Rockwell and Siemens. And then the automotive manufacturing came in to Lordstown and to GM. And you look at Akron, you know, what Cooper Tire or you have a Goodyear, big Goodyear tire Goodyear. and like yeah, I mean Firestone. big big national brands that we where, where things are manufactured. Yeah, but like a lot of things, when globalization took over, we started losing a lot of that industry, that investment, and then you could see the lifeblood be drained from the streets, the properties, the people of the towns. But we're at a time in history where the pendulum has been and is swinging back. We've had many guests in our our podcast, the chairman of the board of Jobs Ohio, Bob Smith, who basically said last year that it has been Ohio's best year economically and and maybe ever, right? Like ever um, with with announcements like Intel moving back here and Honda and, and many of GM and other companies now moving from um, uh, from engines to to EV um, electric vehicles, so that change is an opportunity for entrepreneurs yeah. who are good change agents and also having the trade skills, not being afraid of getting a little dirty and doing some hard work. Yeah, are you tell us what are you seeing in in the Akron area? What what's getting you excited to want to invest and do more in that region
0: well i think chesley would probably be able to answer that better because he he came from outside so when you're in it you kind of just everything becomes right sort of white noise to you so what do you i'll just deflect that to you what do you see when you see barberton or you see places in akron yeah
1: um well yeah as an outsider um you walk in and I, i am from you know Phoenix is like the fifth largest city in the U S Yes, and so uh, one thing is the lack of amenities, but then you got these beautiful buildings that are just sitting there and decaying. And um, you can tell this is like, you know, you look at the life cycle of an organization and you start seeing professionalism in this treadmill and then they long slide into oblivion. And, and most, I think most of the cities, the smaller towns that I've been a part of, um you know even in Barberton looking at the stuff there it feels like they did that and what what causes that to happen is bureaucracy and vision leaving and I love looking at broken dilapidated things and seeing a brand new product like my wife mm, and I flipped yeah. houses and Jeremy's helped invest in those and um that's what I bring to the game so I walk to Barberton and go oh my gosh all these beautiful buildings that they need a lot of work mm-hmm. yeah but i don't see a beautiful building or i don't i don't see a dilapidated building i see a pizza shop in there i see you see the potential i see potential every my wife like it bothers her at times because i'm like she's like really you are the worst judge of character <laughs> <laughs> like you, you see don't the positives. Need, yeah <laughs> I, I am potential all over the place yeah you <laughs> know and so um and, and, and that sometimes it's a great skill right. and, and gift. And then at other times it's like, really, that's not doable.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my kind and, of people right there. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know,
1: and I'm dumb enough to actually start trying to do it, you know, <laughs> and go, well, we'll yes. try. And I, I work as hard as I can. And I've got good friends around me like Jeremy. Jeremy's great at discerning whether or not things are going to go the right direction. So I can do change agents change agency and like start inventing and doing these things. And he's going to be like, I don't know if that one's going to work. <laughs> the, the gift the gift of discernment
2: is an unappreciated at times. I feel like it's un- underappreciated because you need people in your life who will be real with you. And doesn't mean that they're trying to tear you down or trying to hurt you, but they'll at least ask the clarifying questions to get you thinking um, differently. Right. And, and on the flip side, having people that can dream and think about what oftentimes people would define as impossible pushes the, the, it, it helps you kind of find that balance. So it's kind of cool that you guys found each other with those different skill sets.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was, he coached me while I was leading a church. And so what I learned really quickly is Jeremy knows what he's talking about. And so I started putting into practice in the church world, the things that he was teaching me. And I became a better leader because of it. And then um, business as he grew his business, it was like, Oh man, he actually knows how to make money. I've been in church world my entire life and I was dirt poor too. So we ended up homeless when I was a teenager. So I'm like, there's things that Jeremy has that I still need to learn. And that was a big driver in moving to Akron was like, well, I'm going to start a business. I would love to help him start coaching because he coaches, I mean, he is a leader of men and, um, and he's great at it. And I see that I, in his book. So we started building all the curriculum and coursework for, for him to be able to start um, coaching and doing that stuff. And, and really for us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I
0: never wanted to do it alone.
1: Yeah. And um, but through that whole process like you're sitting here today because i walked down and barbered in and go this could be amazing and he's like barbered are you sure (laughs) are you like really nothing good ever comes from in. yeah it's the
0: armpit of the world i'm pretty sure that
2: (laughs) well that was the same kind of stuff that people from here were saying and we started after you keep hearing it over yeah. and over, you start to believe it. You yeah. find
3: out that right. our country is actually made up of all these small towns that once had a heyday that everyone you know, admires as beautiful buildings wishing somebody would just do something with really. Well, estate.
1: and the problem is people believe the stories that have been told to them. Yes. And it, this, I mean, this is true in economics. The narrative um, the sound bites. creates yeah. the trajectory. And so if you want a new trajectory change the dang story. Yeah. And I think Jeremy's helped me a lot with that. Obviously, like I, I am an idea generator. I have a hundred ideas a day. I cannot turn it off. I don't know which one of them are good. Yeah. That's why I have Jeremy in my Resident life. You with <laughs> you, with like, <laughs> Jeremy's yeah. like those three. Great, the other ninety-seven, bro. Uh, ouch!
0: Like, can you just shut it off?
1: And I'm like, no, no, I cannot. You know, it, it,
0: no, no, no. I, I'm just saying. I think that our strengths, we're and we're still figuring it out mm-hmm. because yeah. you you got to remember, you know, Chesley is top two best friends that I have, but we have never lived in the same zip code ever except yeah. for the last couple of months yeah and now he in lives akron, ohio. In, in akron, akron ohio, which ohio. I told okay, them everyone come. right now
2: is moving to Bro. akron yeah. ohio yeah. do you hear <laughs> <There's> <laughs> like, swoosh. I, I, the, the
1: whole country from the east coast to the west coast is moving is, i am solar powered so about
0: half <laughs> the year here i'm like oh, why yeah. did i do this
1: <laughs> yeah. and that is so oh, funny because our strengths and weaknesses
0: are so diverse whenever it's it's uh, like it is outside i'm energized i love it when it's raining i feel great because i own a concrete company and i hate so my if life it's sunshiny you outside <laughs> you're out there working yes i equate exhausted. that with yes and if we're not i feel less than a human being what mm-hmm. am i even doing with my life we're not pouring concrete today <laughs> you know and he's like let's take a walk and you know it's just so different between us that, yeah. but the thing is is he is so good at um at seeing potential in things. And for me, I'm I'm almost like a CEO. So you have like on a spectrum of one to ten, you have the ones that are like the accountants and they're just, you know, zeros and ones. And that's it. And that and the tens are dreamers. They can see what everyone else can't see. And everybody thinks that they're just they're out of their mind. And I'm I I reside at like really on this graph, a seven. But so I'm closer to a five, a five is like a CEO where they can have a conversation with the ones and the twos about things that are just, you just want to stab yourself in the eye. Uh, and then also a conversation with people like him, where you also just want to stab yourself in the eye. <laughs> the dreamers. Because, yeah. Yes. It's like really? And kind out of, of the clouds, <laughs> <Yeah>. pulling, <laughs> yeah. pulling those worlds together. That's kind of where I live somewhere in the middle. And I just think that it works for us and our relationship because yes, the, the re- that's why I wanted him to answer that question. I don't look at Barbudan and go, "Oh my gosh, no, this doesn't. could be awesome." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, "Really?" Yeah, I yeah. look at Barbudan going, "Well, it's the armpit of the world." I believe the narrative. I believe the story, and that's me coming here asking your your team those questions, like, "Okay, what are people saying about Belfonte?" Which, by the way, is called B Town. I've seen B Town, which is Barbudan. That's they do that too. It's very eerily similar. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I took a walk today for forty five minutes down these roads and it looks similar it looks sort of run down sort of like but but what you're doing to transform i'm seeing the potential in front of me actualized there's no denying that you know just becomes whether or not this is the right next step for us yeah uh
1: i think you know as i have grown in my leadership part of this is uh being a student of jeremy's Uh, Another part of this is just getting my butt handed to me in the church world for trying to change so many things um, is learning that if you want to move people with vision rather than tell them because you can't tell them you can't tell them if you're an Eskimo, you're not going to be able to explain a palm tree in a way they'll understand Mm. you got to get them to San Diego to experience a palm tree. Right. And then they will. And so I think, you know, that's a slower process, but it's the only one that I know has consistently worked. And so, you know, there are times like there's a building we almost bought that I walk. I knew about it in August when I came here and I'm like, oh, man, this is beautiful. I wonder if we can do this. And uh, and I knew if I could get Jeremy in the building, then the wheels would start turning. But if I couldn't get Jeremy in the building, then I'll be like, well, well whatever. You know, so even with here, like I know how he feels about Barberton and that's a big deal.
2: Yeah. Well, in a big, I appreciate what you're saying is that a lot of folks will call and say, can, how can small nation help our town? Mm -hmm. And we can go there and take our PowerPoint presentation, take our banner stands and I can speak, but there's nothing more powerful than say, come to Bellfoundland let's go on a walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we go on that walk, we'll walk into the business Yeah, and you'll get to meet some of the, the it could be the owner, could be the employees. Yeah. And then you get to experience what they're selling, what food they're making. And you can ask more questions. And that's kind of, you got to almost see it to believe it. Um, yeah. and, and then when you do see it and you learn that data and you can take pictures, you can rip and duplicate ideas yeah. and take
1: them back home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the thing that you have done so well um, that is the secret sauce is you created a new narrative. I remember walking down here the first time. I'm like, what the heck is the pineapple around here for? <laughs> and then finding out the story about the pineapple on the fountain. And it was supposed <laughs> to be a bell because it's bell fountain, but it's actually a pineapple. And then you owned it. It was an urban great. legend that we owned. Yeah. And, but yeah. the thing about it is, that narrative, people would
2: tell that story over and over and over, and it right. speaks to exactly what you guys were saying.
1: And I think the secret sauce in the towns and churches and organizations is find something that you can create a new story with, run with it. That's the only
0: way you get a new ending. Right. And- right. Well, I heard you say, embrace your weird. Yeah. I've heard that several times from your people. And that's exactly because what Because we're have done. all a little weird. We are. <laughs> okay. Who wants to be weird? We that? are a little
3: uh, especially weirder <laughs> here. Especially
0: weird. <laughs> a little bit more weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I feel, you know, I get motivated by the transformation of a dilapidated building into something beautiful. I get even with people. I mean, this is my uh, I've done it with I've done it with houses, I've done it with leaders, I've done it with church is like this transformation of moving something or someone, seeing the potential, and then them realizing the potential, even in the houses. And I think that's so important. Um, And guys like you and I, we see it, and it's very hard to communicate what we see.
2: Well, it's very lonely, and and that's the thing where just hearing what you guys have done, and there's probably a lot of people that are listening today that might be more like Chesley or more like Jeremy, but you recognize you found each other, Mm -hmm. and and I do think that partnerships, you know, we've spent some time on the podcast speaking with uh, folks that have charted out to have partnerships. Those are not easy. No. No,
1: it's trust. Yeah, complete trust. And I mean, it's, we work at it too. Yeah, it, so. it's
2: kind of like a marriage in the aspect that there is conflict that will come up from time mm-hmm. to time. There are feelings, there are emotions. There's money conversations. Like it's a it's a good test of all of those mm-hmm. things.
1: I have said some stupid things. <laughs> no some way, very not. stupid things <laughs> 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 to my wife and uh-huh. to Jeremy, and the, and yet at the same time, I think the the thing that allows us is. Um, when we know we're wrong we're quick Just to admit it yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah and own it and i mean that's one of his core values is ownership mm-hmm. and so um i more than anything else is is my relationship with jeremy worth the conflict over this you know this situation or wow. uh, going yeah. into business if if i had to pick a friendship with jeremy or a business my friendship with Jeremy is going to win every time I don't care about the business that much. Yeah. And coming from somebody that moved 2,200 miles away (laughs) to be here, like it was like, you know what? I, we could go into business together. We don't have to. Um, but I know that because I care about him first and not about the money, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Because,
0: and it's reciprocal too. Yeah. You know, it has to be both ways. And we, don't have the partnership thing figured out, I'm sure, but we are very quick to be honest with each other and open and you know because I, I, I grew up as an only child. I like to I like to call the shots. I like to be alone. I like to make the decisive decisions. but I think we can go further faster if we, if we utilize our strengths together than, than if I just was doing this all by myself all the time, you yeah. know. But, you know, yeah, I mean, if you think about the fact that we, like I said, for six years, we would rendezvous like um, his wife and, and my wife. We would meet in L.A. and spend like a couple days there or we would go to we met in what? Uh, Vegas, Charlotte, Charlotte just yeah. different places, um, but in and out. And, you know, it's a honeymoon period. Well, he's moving his wife and his children all the way from Phoenix to Ohio, not just Ohio, but my city, not just my city, but my, my cul-de-sac. I can throw a rock at his (laughs) house. I I was looking at other
1: places, but uh, that house was just the one that was,
0: yeah. Which it's nice, it but great. it it, yeah. it is it's a it's and then we're in business together. So we went from not hardly seeing each other but talking a lot to seeing each other and talking a lot to working together to living near each other to yeah. going to the same church. And I just basically had to have a heart to heart with him and say, "I need to be away from you for a little bit." Yep. And yep. it was tough, you know, because I didn't want to let him down, but that's just the essence of relationships and partnerships if it, my my relationship with Chesley means more than any business.
2: Right. No. There is that term boundaries. Yeah. And what's been interesting of my entrepreneurial <coughs> DNA, and we've had many of these My you know, bad. That
1: was just my foot. You know? <laughs> hey. Okay. Are you are you bleeding? No, 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 I'm good. good. <laughs> hey, that sounded way worse than it actually okay. was. <laughs>
2: but no, we we I I grew up in a family of business. We blended the love of family mm-hmm. with business. Yeah. And and for a lot of folks, there are there are positive upsides to that, but there are also major deterrents mm-hmm. where um, I've had to work with other business partners or employees. It, it's it's not a family. We're, we're a business. And so you, you sometimes have to create boundaries. And it's been something that I've had to personally work on because of head trash and junk yeah. of the way I grew up because that's how we showed love. Yeah, how hard you worked mm. was also equated to like, showing love for someone else Mm. and Mm. kind of in my company like you know i I, we would do ex interviews for you know when i first started some people would leave and you know one kind of stuck out to me it said when i work here i feel like i have a loaded gun to my head and i'm like that seems a little extreme (laughs) Wow! because it was just the culture we were all buried into the mission heads down but for some folks it was it was too intense yeah some
3: people need to leave that
2: and and
3: You know, they'll come and go home for eight hours. Yeah. But then when I'm gone, I'm gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The problem is in a mission driven organization, and I can speak to this and you can too, Jeremy, um, for churches, is when you're so inundated with the mission, it's not, uh, it's all encompassing. It's 24 seven. And right. And what we do is we do have this weird motif of a family together because it's the mission. The mission creates a family. Yes. The reality is you are an organization and organizations have teams and you have seasons on those teams. As a military person, mm. they cut me when I'm no longer useful for them. Am I a part of them? Yeah. Once you're a soldier or an airman, you're always one, You know, but you're not on duty anymore. And so there is camaraderie to be a part of the family without being part of the team. And so I think for mission-driven organizations, you really got to get very clear on when you're here, you have a role on a team. Some of you may be the superstars scoring 40 points a game, and some of you yeah. may be picking up trash, you know, and that's okay. That's okay. Right? And yeah. so, but your team, your team first, you can always be part of the family. Family is forever. Teams are not. And I wow. think having that fundamentally honest conversation actually helps move the mission forward faster because people don't have the emotional baggage. When you fire a family member, it feels like, oh, my gosh, we broke. We, I broke my community. Right. I no longer am a part of a community. I have been ostracized and exiled. Well,
3: and we see that in the church world
1: all the time. Right? Oh, all the oh, time. Yeah. yeah, it just seems yes. to
3: blow up and be more dramatic because
1: everyone holds everyone to a higher standard. So but that's what's happening. Yeah, and yeah. so you go. No, the organization serves the family and serves the mission. It is not the family, and it is not the mission. Mm. And that allows you to go. Okay, there is some uh, some separation between the two to allow us to have a, to have a more emotionally healthy connection here.
2: Love that. That's. That's great stuff. Gold. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Very much so. That's crazy. Um, we're already kind of,
3: <laughs> I'm a little shocked. This flew by for me, but we're going to have sure. to have you guys back. For sure. Yeah. We this would is love really, that.
2: And Jeremy I, I Candelaria.
1: <laughs> <on> <laughs> Jeremy well, Candelaria. <laughs>
2: can I just say, you guys, you can see how experienced they are and just how yeah. they're sharing. You have launched a podcast. Tell us about the work that you're doing.
0: Go ahead, Chesley. You're, well, this is, this is, yeah.
2: We've been, so
1: we had the Blue Collar Millionaire podcast and they uh, currently the still uh, have it. Yes. The, yes. So it's the been first a was while the since we posted, yes, the book. And then I came and we started doing a lot of that stuff. Okay. So we've got a few episodes of that. We've taken hiatus because we've been busy. We had, uh, because Jeremy and I were doing coaching and building it, I had to get some money because I was no longer employed by a church. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Hey, let's take everything that Jeremy has written about in the book. And let's see if we can f- show people how to do this. And so I created, uh, from scratch, in 100 days, a kitchen remodeling company. From zero. From zero, and in 100 days, had a challenge of, can I get $100,000 in sales?
0: Wow. And so
1: that was January 5th to the 15th of April, and we did $115,000. Nice work. Mostly just doing a- Doing what Jeremy had taught. And you know. I've
2: seen some of these photos, the before and after photos. Like, you would not believe it's the same place. But, you know, sometimes when you see a kitchen that's been renovated, they have taken out all the cabinets, tore out all the countertops, just like spent fifty, hundred, plus thousand dollars What's amazing is these kitchens look completely new, but they're using innovative building materials that make it look gorgeous and get the longevity out of the product while also saving money.
1: Yeah. Like really yeah. impressive stuff. Yep. So we can reface and, and we do, and we're, we're moving into, re, you know, remodeling full kitchens now because, uh, and we got, I, we could talk about marketing all day long. All right. I love marketing. I think it's super, super important and being different. Um, but that's helped. But everything, I mean, Jeremy's mission in life is to teach leaders and entrepreneurs how to win at life and win in business and what we wanted to do is we wanted to show hey there's credibility here this works I knew nobody in Akron when I started yeah I had I had to literally go and get a uh, you know, secretary of state to file yeah. my, yeah. like we're so, talking okay, about zero, lessons. like zero. EIN, yeah. 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 no yeah. EIN, nothing. no
0: business name, no website, nothing from zero to a hundred thousand. It was an
1: idea on a car ride that I said, I think this yep. is what it needs to be. To Michigan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to a small town.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and he's done it and he's done fantastic. I'm super proud of him. He is constantly trying to to pivot figure out where he can maximize you know profitability i mean he had no employees now he is employing three people if you include his wife and himself on payroll that's five people from zero and it's just been probably now what 130 days yeah just not not even that yeah Yeah, probably
1: 115 it's may 2nd 117 days
0: one of the smartest people ever so yeah that podcast we have a lot of fun you know it turns out that we we're we're funny, and if you have to say that, <laughs> <They're really not. laughs> I mean, but we really are because I'll go back and listen to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just some of the things that we that we that we that come out yeah. of that is yeah. it's just awesome. It's it's great to work with one of my best friends. Yeah, so yeah, that podcast, Blue Co- Blue Collar Millionaire Podcast, check it out. Um, and then, of course, you know, I'm on Instagram, and Chesley, even though he's a digital guy, doesn't really do...
1: I don't do social media social at media. all. I really could care less about social media. I know how to use it, but I don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and if you like the faith, uh, faith side and innovation, um, ChesleyLunday.com, and I do podcasts with uh, interviews. You were on my show. Yeah. That was great. Um, and talking about innovation in the church space and innovation as a whole and how to build change processes and all that sort of stuff so if you like that and we had data you know for the future of faith in america um and we wanted to find out what gen z and young millennials were thinking that faith should look like in the next 10 years and so we used jason our friend uh his company uh to build uh a study that's 1,276 people all over the country that says, hey, 13 to 55-year-olds, what do you want it to look like? And so we did this humongous study. It's actually groundbreaking in the church space. And there's some really crazy um, stats and uh, data points that we pulled out. And we said, oh, it's crazy. So if you want that, we give that out for free. Uh, All you have to do is chesleylunday.com forward slash future of faith. Awesome.
2: I don't even give you my email address. What's that? Do I I get it just from that link or do I have to give you my email address? You do have to get the email address. (laughs) You better be marketing to me. I am a marketer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do want to talk to you in the future. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And that was a very expensive study. So the least we could do is get an email address. (laughs)
3: That's awesome. And I'll try to link uh, that podcast. And you have a couple books
0: out, right? Yeah. Not just the one, but... Yeah, so it's Blue Collar Millionaire is is the one that we've referred to. And then my wife and I co-wrote a book called Life 45. And so it's just... it's a book on discipline, and it was really fun kind of going through that book with my wife. Mm. And, and and so, yeah, you can check it out. Both of them, Amazon bestsellers. You can uh, get on Amazon. You can purchase both of them yeah. there. Uh, just Jeremy Candelaria, and then the books will pop up.
3: Yeah, I'll link yeah. them in the show notes, too. Thank you. Um, and then where can people follow your businesses?
0: Right, so Creative Concrete Ohio. I mean, that's, that's me, creativeconcreteohio.com. Um, and again, it's just a concrete company. So if you need concrete or, you know, someone who needs concrete or you want coaching when it comes to business yeah. and not, and, and not just concrete, any kind of blue collar, uh, please just, just look us up. But yeah, that's my website. And
1: speaking from somebody that's been coached by Jeremy, you don't move 2,200 miles to be next to the guy if he's a bad coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll just say that no, as a plug. You. Great, great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, the kitchen thekitchenrefresh.com is uh, our company name too. So yeah.
2: Great domains by the way. Yeah. I'm impressive guys. Thank you. This has been a great, a great episode today. I think the encouragement mixed with the accountability is one of the many special things that you guys have accomplished. And I I cannot, I love the, the F um, power statements that you shared with faith and finance and fitness. Um, friendship and family. Yeah, and we so really love F words around w- here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> need the F words on the good days, and you need them in the bad days, too, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yeah. okay. it's,
1: it's the most uh, utilitarian, versatile. versatile. Yes. versatile. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, guys, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
3: All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and checking out the Small Nation podcast. You can find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even the Small Nation YouTube channel. I hope you're able to pull some value from that conversation and we hope to see you in the next one. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a like, comment, or a five-star review to help more people to discover this podcast. Stay tuned to Small Nation on social media to keep up with all the cool projects that are happening here. And until next time, this is Ethan with the Small Nation podcast signing off. Thanks, everyone.